Hello, my friends, and welcome back to a phenomenal psychedelic episode of 15-Minute Freethinking. And as usual, I'm your host. I might be Carpo. I might be someone else. You just won't know. You'll have to wait and find out. Then again, I guess if you're watching the video version of this podcast, you probably already know. I am my own twin brother. All horrible jokes aside, I have a very important topic to discuss today, something that has been ruminating in the back of my mind for not just weeks or months, but years, and it's a topic I have covered in the past. I've discussed psychedelics, and I just don't think I have really conveyed the degree to which psychedelics have actually changed my life for the better in many cases. And I'm not here to talk about my experiences. However, I do believe personal experience is a crucial aspect of understanding how psychedelics can benefit the human mind. And There's a huge degree of subjectivity here, and we need to talk about issues such as body chemistry, different brains, different tolerances, body size, perhaps, uh, of course, psychedelics seem to affect genders differently, might even affect races differently. We have no idea, because each experience is so unique that there is no one-size-fits-all. Here, take this dose of mushrooms and you'll be cured of your depression and anxiety. It's a complete nonsense bullshit uh, line that's being sold to people that psychedelics are a cure-all for any ailment you might have. That being said, in my personal experience, it has been a huge benefit to any of my negative experiences I might have in life and to remind me of what's really important. 99% of the time, that's going to be family and friends. And the other 1% is for all the other things in life. (laughs) Spirituality and whatnot. Family, friends, connections. Those you surround yourself with, that's what's important. Now, those are my own experiences. And this podcast, I guess... First, I should say, thank today's sponsor, Drugs. Drugs have sponsored my videos and my podcasts for a very long time, and I'd like to thank Drugs for sponsoring today's podcast. Drugs are something that help you change your mind. Drugs are also something that can kill you. Drugs are a very, very general and blanket term that is basically meaningless until you apply it and give it definition and say, not drugs, but this drug, this dose of this drug, and this dose of this drug for this person, this drug, and this dose for this person for this ailment, and to what degree they have the ailment. These things are so important because I had a discussion with my friend the other day about this topic because I was excited to share that Ketamine, something that I've avoided for a very long time, not because I didn't want to try it, but I even had a 
I had a gram that I bought some really good stuff from a guy. I kept it for about a decade. And it didn't take very long before uh, I wanted to try it, but it was already expired. Or I, it was, yeah, it was, didn't do didn't do what it was supposed to do. Um, but this was years later. And of course, these are things that aren't as shelf stable as psychedelics are, like LSD which you can find an original bottle of Delsid and take it today, uh, you know, 75 years later or whatnot, and it'll still be active. And they did do that, I think, back in the 90s. A group of the original trippers, psychedelic advocates and scientists, found uh, an original vial of Delsid, which was manufactured back when LSD was... LSD was synthesized in, I believe... I want to say 49, maybe it was 39. I always get the dates mixed up, but Albert Hoffman in the famous bicycle ride, he uh, discovered it by accident after testing a chemical he'd already tested before, but having, as legend goes, having a, a dream about it or a thought that he needed to try that particular batch of LSD, the 25th attempt at his experiment. So he grabbed the LSD-25 off the shelf, spilled some on himself, soaked into his skin, and then he continued to experiment with it, and it became kind of a, a thing of his, and uh, of many other people's. But LSD and psilocybin, the active component within magic mushrooms, are both very unique compounds from each other, but also very similar in the way that they can open up your mind shut down your frontal cortex and allow you to your rest of your brain to connect. Now, when doctors try to explain this, it just doesn't do it. You have to actually have the experience. Until a doctor has actually tried a psychedelic, I wouldn't trust their judgment on any therapy. Here's the reason why. Like I said earlier, I had a friend who we discussed this the other day, and he's trusting doctors, and I'm he's trying to understand why I don't trust the medical system or doctors to diagnose me or even treat me. Because I was saying there was an interesting side effect when I tried a small bit of ketamine, and I found the next day that I had a beer and I didn't really want it. And usually I have a few beers in the evening. I didn't always, but in the last few years, definitely. And uh, I definitely, COVID really boosted it up there for a while. But uh, uh, I made a pact that I wanted to kind of cease using it uh, as much as I did. And I found that I wasn't interested in drinking. And this has been going for a few days now. And I thought, this is a really weird side effect I wasn't expecting. Because that wasn't the reason I used it. Um, so I shared it with a friend of mine, and I was talking about it. And apparently there is a drug called uh, Spravato, I believe. But that is S-ketamine. And it's given, I believe, intranasally. Because there's IV is the ultimate. IV or intramuscular is the best way to administer ketamine. The most efficient route. While eating it is the least efficient route. Uh, most people insufflate it. In other words, yeah, they snort it. And I'm not recommending this to anyone because ketamine back in the day was kind of a novelty. Today it's become the preferred drug of a lot of people in the UK, as well as uh, some other countries I can't recall. But ketamine is quickly becoming the favorite psychedelic of everyone. 
uh, but it's not considered a psychedelic. However, in high doses, say 1 to 300 milligrams, depending on your tolerance, um, that's when people enter what they call like a K-hole. That is a very... Uh, a space where you don't really recognize yourself. You, it's kind of a complete ego loss. There's a reason why they use it. It's an anesthetic. And so they take the liquid anesthetic, they dry it out, they grind it up, snort it. It's pretty simple. It sounds nasty, and that's why I never wanted to try it. I don't like putting things in my nose. You know, I smoke cannabis, and I drink some beer, and uh, I take psychedelics a couple times a year, maybe once a year. And um, <clears throat> the reason I do it, and I think this is a really crucial aspect, and why? I, let me start off by saying why I'm talking about this is because there are so many pop-up, fly-by-night companies that are trying to sell you on being uh, counselors and healers that you can go into their clinic and they'll help you with therapeutics and psychedelics. This company that just started off in Southern Oregon, for example, I mentioned the other day they're selling their services for $600 for a two-hour microdose session. Or for a full-blown six-hour trip, it's like $3,500. And that's going to be cash out of the customer's pocket. So here are people who are willing to go to a stranger, pay them $3,500 in order to take a few grams of mushrooms and kick back on a couch at somebody else's house. Look, I do that shit for free. <laughs> the thing is, it's a joke. I understand there are people who are licensed professionals who know how to talk people through things. But I don't believe people are qualified as psychedelic advocates to be messing with people's minds if you don't know the person well. So I do not believe in going to a doctor and having them talk you through your problems. If you already have a psychiatrist and you've been talking with them for a long time and they know you well, and then they can prescribe you psychedelics and sit with you, that would be a totally different story. But going to a service to trip with somebody, a stranger, no, I, I don't recommend that. People are much more comfortable with somebody that they love, that they respect, or they at least believe cares about them. And, you know, the irony is, I you know, <laughs> as much as I'm chastising these services, it's something I actually want to do. Um, I've talked with my, you know, my wife and my friends about this. Like, I was like, I want to help people who through their problems, but not while they're tripping. Here's the thing. During the experience, just leave them alone, of course. But it's it's not something that somebody can tell you. It's something you have to talk through yourself to somebody you trust. Then you have to work through these problems after the trip is over. The journey can last if, like just a few hours, or it can last several hours. To give you an example, um, a dose of ketamine can last one or two hours, you know, and you can be pretty much back to normal on your feet and on your way. That's why it's a good anesthetic. Um, and they say the antidepressant effects and making people not want to drink can last up to six months afterward, which is pretty damn amazing. Well, psilocybin and LSD are the same way. Antidepressant and anxiolytic effects can be six months long. And that is amazing as well. How do these things work? Apparently with ketamine, it can rewrite 
your long-term memory. This is the key. What we're doing is we're tapping into a region of the brain where you have formed memories that attach you to a certain substance, whether through addiction, whatever it might be. This is why ibogaine is so useful. It's a very powerful and extremely dangerous drug. In fact, you have to go to South America, you know, to get it. You can, of course, probably order it on the, the web, but I don't mess with that shit because it can kill you if you take the wrong dose. It's very dangerous and intense, but it can help people break extreme opiate, you know, addictions overnight. But, like I said, body chemistry is unique, and this doesn't work for everyone. I don't want to get too far off track, because this is all ad-lib and off the, off the cuff. Because psychedelics are a huge part of my life, and I'm a very strong advocate for them. However, I don't like to present myself as a psychedelic fan, even though I wear tie-dyes, and I, you know, go to dead shows, fish shows, whatever. I am a respectable human being, right? That's kind of a, you know, sarcasm. Uh, I live my life and I try to always maintain my, my stature, my, my ability to function. Even when I do drink, I never get drunk, for example. I don't smoke too much pot and act like a complete idiot. And I try to be respectful, but when it comes to psychedelics, I'll take a huge dose, act like a complete fool, not in a bad way. I never harm people or anything. I just laugh a lot and act, you know, say stupid shit. But it allows me to process all the things that I'm going through in my life. And having a close group of friends that can process this with me is the most useful part of the experience. Point being, have a sitter or someone to sit with you if you try psychedelics, or at least an expert on it that you trust. So, the next thing I want to talk about is, a lot of folks want to take these things because they say they're depressed or anxious. And I just want to ask this, depressed or anxious to what degree? It seems like a lot of folks are just taking general ang generalized anxiety as being just kind of a given, like, oh, I just, I'm always anxious. Look, in my early 30s, I was anxious all the time. I had to change my mind. I, I li Look, it sounds cheesy, but I listened to a lot of Manly P. Hall, Alan Watts, and realized, oh shit, I'm insignificant, but I'm also significant, and I'm in charge of my own thoughts. Sure, it's not, you know, foolproof. I have moments where I stress out, but it's usually when I'm using a substance that's causing that anxiety, or, you know, uh, maybe coming down that causes depression. I have my own hang-ups. I have my own problems like everyone else does. Money worries, you know, the financial woes of life and wishing I was more organized and all these things. But when you take the proper dose of a good psychedelic substance, even non-psychedelics like MDMA or MDA, or ketamine, which I honestly should just lump them all in with it. Uh, it can be life-changing and is considered one of the most important experiences of people's lives who were in several experiments, even religious people. Because if you want to see Jesus, you're going to see Jesus. You want to see Buddha, you're going to see the Buddha. But it's not about the religion. With a big enough dose, you see that they're all one. And then trying to come back to this world and explain the things you've seen, you end up clicking with only other people who have taken psychedelics. 
and these people tend to form groups, and these groups form around certain styles of music, and therefore you have dead shows and fish concerts and several other different festivals and jam band type things. Because the psychedelics aren't what it's all about. They are just a conduit to open your mind, to stop you in your tracks and allow you to bloom for a moment and talk with people you ordinarily might not even have any interest in talking with. And you might have some of the most beautiful fucking conversations you've ever had in your life. The people that you never knew you needed to be friends with. The people you might not look twice at at any other time. Because we're all in our petty little worlds. And that, my friends, is really what psychedelics are about. Allowing you to see this. We have been drug-seeking creatures from day one. That is just a fact. Not just humans, animals do it too. There's a certain psychedelic lichen that grows on the rocks way up on a hillside that these goats climb way up on these hillsides to get this lichen, and it gets them stoned. There are uh, you know, plenty of rancid berries being eaten, and uh, a whole variety of animal documented animals who wanted to get high we it's not just us it's nature is always seeking to change we don't know why we evolved along with psychedelics like psilocybin which if you'd listen to terence mckenna you would believe the theory of the stoned ape theory that we developed language through the use of psychedelics and that you know let's just say that a lot of folks think that nature grew alongside us and that these chemicals are meant for us so we can expand our consciousness even though i don't believe that's completely like true i i can't help but say when i do take mushrooms i feel like i'm understanding the trees and the world and it's helped me to come closer to nature and by coming closer to nature i've come closer to my fellow man and by coming close to my, closer to my fellow man, I've understood that we're all unique. We're all different. And then I don't feel, feel threatened by different people. Because my religion is nature. And everyone is part of nature. You know, as we go through this big change of psychedelics becoming more prominent... There will be a lot of disinformation on the positive as well. The Timothy Learys of the world. He was a proponent that said everyone should take LSD. I don't believe that. Some people shouldn't. I've seen psychosis. I understand some people, it's not meant for them. We've got to understand these things. But the opposite is the complete hatred of it. The idea that you'll jump out of windows and kill yourself. You know, the sad fact is that psychedelics have not caused nearly the problems that the propaganda videos back in the 60s and 70s promoted. But it didn't matter in the end because all psychedelics were banned in 1970 during Nixon's complete attack, the war on drugs, let's say. And when these drugs were banned, they weren't even allowed to be used for research purposes. Class 1, Schedule 1, right up there with heroin and LSD is in there with cannabis and, of course, all these harmful things like cannabis. Methamphetamines are like Class 2, I think. 
So, anyway, we live in a very dystopian world, but it's always been this way, so it's all we know. So when psychedelics were banned, that put a it didn't put much of a crimp in the supply. LSD was easy to manufacture. Eventually, they started banning lysergic acid and diethylamide and all the amides and the different precursors and chemicals uh, were being monitored, but it didn't matter. People found a way. People will always find a way. But here's what happened. This prohibition just led to a flood of other chemicals that we'd probably be better off without a lot of them. However, I'm glad we have some. Alexander Shulgin and his wife Anne Shulgin, they lived in a cabin up in the woods, and they he had a lab out in his barn, and he manufactured several of the compounds that we use today. In fact, he's the one who brought MDMA back into the limelight after so many years of being kind of obscure. These drugs were used by a lot of people and a lot of friends and a lot of hippies ended up getting some of his recipes and substances. Or I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say MDMA. He manufactured MDMA, but it was 2CB was the one he really, I think, made popular and it was his favorite one. And 2CB is very unique as well. But look, I don't want to get hung up here talking about different types of psychedelics. I'm fascinated with them. I really just want to say there's a lot of fear-mongering, but there's also a lot of, now that it's accepted, it's just become this trendy bullshit, like seeing CBD lotions sold at Fred Meyer, Kroger, whatever. You see CBD, CBD everywhere in the grocery store. Things, you know, nobody wants to touch cannabis and all of a sudden everybody's an expert and thinks CBD lotion's actually going to help you. Look, CBD is medicine. It can do amazing things in the right doses. Say 100 milligrams, 500 milligrams, not in one milligram per liter or whatever the bullshit that they're, they're claiming. And it does bother me. It bothers me that, you know, marketing is ruining the real value of these substances. But to stick with the psychedelics, you know, I want to say they're also not just a cure-all. They are a tool, a way of getting to a place we want to be. They must be respected. There's kind of a ritual that I go through in my mind uh, when I take a psychedelic and preparation that I make through the day. I get anxious and feel like I'm already tripping before I even take acid, because I already know I'm going to take it that night. It's especially strong when I'm like going to a concert, and I know that I'm going to be, because I don't have very many opportunities to do that. Um, so when I do, um, yeah, let's just say I have a good time, and then I can come back with friends. I don't do it at the concert just to go out and party. I do it because that's a time when I'm usually with a lot of friends that I respect and love. And we can all trip together, come back to our motel, and talk about life till 6 in the morning and try to get to sleep. I want to say on that note that LSD can make it difficult for a lot of people to get to sleep. I'm a light sleeper, so... Uh, but... Uh, mushrooms, you can fall asleep quite a bit sooner, and, and they're, but they're a lot heavier on the soul. Mushrooms are round, LSD is square. I've tried to explain that to people, and they tend to know what I mean. Like, that's how I define it. Mushrooms 
are a very much softer experience, but they are deep and they can take you way into your soul and it tends to be way more personal, a journey within yourself. Whereas LSD, I can be a little more extroverted, at least after I come out of my chrysalis, I call it, because I basically go into a cocoon and I just wait for the peak to come on and then I just jump out and I start acting like a fool because now my inhibitions are down. But the irony about it is you don't get slurred speech or are unable to speak or understand people's words, such as language. In other words, I can be tripping balls and have my vision just all over the place, spinning in circles and swirling. Of course, it's not like you see in the movies. If you haven't tripped, don't let that scare you. Just things are moving, and it's fun, and you're like laughing along, but you're talking just like normal, and you're hearing and understanding even better than normal. You feel the most on top of your game. Why is that? Whereas you can drink too much beer and end up being slurred, and uh, cannabis too, you know? And I'm a cannabis lover, so... So... (laughs) I want to give a little advice. If you end up taking any psychedelic, please don't take any advice of mine. I have to make this as a disclaimer. YouTube, see, I pay to host my podcast, the podcast audio version, which is high quality, by the way, compared to the video version. So if you'd rather watch these, you can do so on audio. But I do appreciate donations on Patreon. Wink, wink. Carpo719 on Patreon, on Patreon, but uh, yeah, I want to say that when, when you're tripping really hard, regardless of whether you meant to, I, I should give you an experience, a, a great example, my, my friend uh, who I was talking to the other day saying, hey, you know, ketamine might help you, and he said he'd already looked into it, but uh then he reminded me of the one time he'd tried it. He said, fuck that at first, because he was like, I don't, I don't, you know. So here's what happened. Not to give away your, your story, bro, but it's funny. Um, he bought some MDMA from somebody, and it was usually comes in a, uh, well, I buy mine in the powder, but these were in pills. So I guess it was, could have been MDA, but basically they bought what they thought was, was Molly or MDMA, not Molly. There's so many different technical terms, and I, 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 different places you live, people use different terms. But there were a lot of pressed pills back then, in the late 90s, early 2000s. So he bought a pill from a friend, thought it was MDMA, ecstasy. There we go. That was the word I was looking for. I haven't heard the word ecstasy in a long time. Uh, he, he bought what he thought was ecstasy, and him and his girlfriend took it, and it was ketamine. And it was a big dose, and he said they felt like they were like little people. And he told, it's funny because it, it 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 disproportionates you. It makes you feel like you're two feet tall sometimes, but maybe a hundred feet wide. It's a very strange feeling, and if you're unprepared for it, if you expected to be getting something else, of course you're going to feel like that. So that was a very bad experience. And I said, man, you were in a K hole basically, and uh, took too much and highly recommend you try it again in smaller doses. <laughs> so <clears throat> my reason for sharing that story is to say it's unfortunate because a lot of people try psychedelics of any type. Maybe they take too much acid the first time. 
or too many mushrooms and they say, I don't ever want to do that again because they're scared of that experience. Every time I end up doing them again, it's always fun. I say, where have you been, my friend? This is great. And the long-lasting effects of psychedelics can be mind-blowing. I haven't got to DMT yet, uh, but I will. I want to say that, first of all, microdosing is something that comes up a lot, and I know it's helped a lot of people. I've kind of changed my tune on it, so I'm not going to talk about it, because uh, I honestly... The only way I can look at psychedelics is through traditional use because of the way it's been used traditionally. Not just in our modern history through the hippie era, but, you know, through thousands of years of different shamanistic rituals and people taking these psychedelics. They didn't take them casually. They were medicine. And once in a blue moon, or maybe a red moon, uh, they would get together and they would take them. And often even the kids... Not maybe not the youngest, but it depends on the culture. Uh, they're not what you might think. You don't take mushrooms and go freak out and run around and see zombies. I mean, people have a very strange view of what they are. What they really do is just open you up to a truth about yourself that you already knew, but you had forgotten. And that can be sometimes the most beneficial thing. It allows you to talk through your issues with other people, and yourself. And this insight can last for months or years. I still remember being reborn on a bridge, on the very top of a metal bridge, which I should not have been climbing out because it was like an I-beam on a train trestle, one of those curved ones, and the, had a little metal ladder, but it ended, so I just kind of shimmied up it and sat and watched the sunrise. And my friend, like, hiked down to the shore and screamed back at me, hey! It was a very surreal moment, and I'll never forget it. I felt like everything was just right. I think I was about 15, maybe 16. And, yeah, those experiences last a lifetime. Amazing. And that's why I am talking about psychedelics today. DMT, on a final note here stands alone in its own category other than taking ayahuasca which is basically a dmt containing plant taken with another plant which has an maoi or monoamine oxidase inhibitor i'm sure you've heard it a million times but in case you haven't dmt can a plant with dmt in it you can't eat it and get high because you have a monoamine oxidase in your body that breaks it down it oxidizes those chemicals so they don't get it in your bloodstream and it helps to protect you against a lot of things once in a while you need a drug to get into your bloodstream that you ordinarily wouldn't be able to get in there through the oral administration route so they created these drugs called monoamine oxidase inhibitors which are based on those natural plants and they stop your body from breaking they basically inhibit your body's production of monoamine oxidase. So it doesn't oxidase those compounds and they get into your bloodstream. Simple, right? So you take a drug first, it stops your body. Think of it as a metaphoric coating on your stomach to stop your stomach from breaking it down. And it allows the drug to go through into your body. So they take a plant with DMT and MAOI and they mix them together and you drink the concoction, that's ayahuasca. It can make you vomit, can make you very nauseous, but the experience can be very intense and revealing. 
My thought is this. They discovered it in the jungle. It is phenomenal. But I've never done it myself. But the experiences that people have had are phenomenal. However, I would much prefer to take psychedelic mushrooms or even LSD because we've worked our way up to other substances that can give you the same type of life-changing experience without puking all over. And some people don't want the nausea. That scares them away. <clears throat> mushrooms can be nauseating, but if you grind them up in a coffee grinder, dry mushrooms, and put them in capsules, not only do they hit you faster, they hit you stronger, and you can take less. And the experience doesn't last as long, so you can go to bed earlier. That's something I've discovered personally, and I very much enjoy taking mushrooms that way. But um, back to DMT. Ayahuasca, you can also buy Pharmawasca, where you're basically taking just an MAOI with ayahuasca. You can use various types of plant extracts and seeds. There's harmala seeds, which have harmaline extract, which you take these seeds first, a few of the seeds, then you take some DMT, and you can actually have an oral administration. But let's just say the smoking route is what I'm talking about here. When you smoke DMT, it tastes like, as my buddy Kevin quotes, G.I. Joe guys is what he calls it. Now, when we were kids, of course, we had plastic G.I. Joe figurines, and uh, that always stuck in my mind. I think what he really meant was those just little army guys we used to burn, because I think we'd like get firecrackers and put lighter fluid on them. We, we were teenage boys in the 80s. What do you do? And when you smoke it, it's horrible. No matter what you do, no matter how you try to mask it, no matter how pure it is, it's horrendous to smoke. However, unless you're willing to inject it with a doctor or with someone else, I and I don't do that, smoking it can be the most intense experience one could possibly have. Or as McKenna said, blasting off to the moon, through a cannon to the moon. Um, <clears throat> it really is something else. The geometric fractal patterns that you see and these weird entities and disfigured ideas you see can be so mind-bending and so kaleidoscopic and insane that you feel like you're there for a lifetime, yet it's only a couple of minutes. And when you come out, the weird thing, I've never heard of anybody who got addicted to doing DMT. I'm sure there's people out there who have had compulsions to do any drug, but it's the kind of thing where you're like, holy shit. You might do it several times in an evening, but they call it the businessman's trip because you can literally come home at lunch and put your suitcase down and hit some DMT, go through a full-blown mind-bending journey and come back in like 10 minutes. That's wild. However, I've always had... Since I went to the regional Burning Man, which... Side note, I should be at right now. Uh, it's going on tonight. It's called Soak. And I went for like every year for 10 years, and I loved it. And uh, the last couple of years, because of COVID, I ended up missing it. And I was so stoked to go this year, and then they wanted a vaccine card. And I know I could have got a fake one made, but I did, didn't, just didn't want to do it on principle. But I also, I have responsibilities. I don't know, I'm making excuses. I really love going to Soak. Because it's the time of the year, it's always on Labor or Memorial Day weekend. It's a time where I can go in and 
I bring my school bus if I can. I was just going to take my tent this time, but sleep out under the stars, take psychedelics, and hang out with a bunch of cool, weird people with weird costumes. And watch a big effigy burn. I mean, it's so primal. It's such a personal release. I don't want to go to the main burning, man. It's too big. This one's just like 1,500 people. But uh thing is, it's still going on. I, I mean, it's tonight's the first burn. Tomorrow's the main burn. I could still go, but that's me. I'm talking about myself. Here we are talking about psychedelics on my podcast, and I'm talking about what I should be doing tonight. Hell, by the time people listen to this podcast, Soak will probably have been over for a week because I always take a long time. Anyway, to the audio listeners, my apologies for that. Um, so even though the DMT experience is very short, it can be so mind-bendingly revealing about who we are. And uh, it's wild, and I highly recommend anybody who wants to try these things, just be wary and be careful. There is a chance of mental, you know, mental issues from taking too many psychedelics. And uh, I don't know what they are. Nobody really does because each person's unique. But let's just say, use your fucking head, people. I've heard stories of people having uh, blood in their urine and I had kidney stones because of using too much ketamine. Um, I believe, from what I understand, when you combine it with alcohol, it's a NMDA agonist, but NMDA has to do with the body's memories and such. It seems that taking some of these drugs interferes with your body's long-term memory. Think of it this way. Imagine if some of these drugs allow your allow you to access your hard drive in a locked folder that you ordinarily couldn't get to very easily. And here we do, we just sit around and go, derp, look at all the pretty colors, when we should be picking at these memories. In other words, psychedelics have a very strong potential to rewrite memories, but it's not something that can be used for mind control. It's something you have to do yourself. I mean, you can brainwash people, sure, but the trick is really to brainwash yourself. Or maybe to bring yourself back to reality because you realize you've been brainwashed your whole life. Or maybe you've just kind of fallen from what you knew to be true. Maybe psychedelics at one time were part of your life and then you abandoned them like I did, you know, and for years I didn't touch them. I had a really negative experience on too much acid one time. Six hits of Felix the Cat and it blew my mind. Like, it was just a bad moment, you know bad timing and I was all by myself and uh, that's why I really don't like doing psychedelics by myself or recommend it to anybody because ultimately what I always discover the epiphany that I consistently have is that other people are where it's at really hip man really hip so thanks for coming along on my podcast (laughs) I appreciate y'all and uh like I said, if you'd like to contribute, you can check out the Patreon. If you're listening to the podcast version, you can check out my YouTube channel at Carpo719 for the video version. 
And if you're watching the video version, you should check out my 15-minute free thinking podcast. Thank you all for coming, and uh, I'm going to end the video version now and uh, finish the podcast version. Thanks for coming along. All right, now that all the video people are gone, I just want to say thank you to all the people who continue to listen on my podcast. Uh, even though I do have video versions of some of them, I'm really trying to get this thing off the ground. So if you enjoy what you hear of any of these, please share them with people. And um, I just want to say on a final note, you're welcome to click off now, of course, because I'm just talking about myself a little bit. But, you know, I don't know what I want out of my podcast or the Internet. And for the upcoming year, I'd really like to interview some people. It's more difficult than you might think. I've talked with a few people, but it's kind of difficult to arrange. And it's also difficult to arrange similarities of interest with people because some people want to talk about news. Some people want to talk about spirituality or religion. Everybody's got their own thing. And uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, I'm, I think the main issue here is that I'm not as organized as I'd like to be. And I'm always trying to improve, so I'm always open to criticism to anyone. Please be welcome to leave a comment on any of my YouTube videos or channels. But, you know, even though I do this because I love it, I don't... I, I pay to host this podcast. So I would like to do something with it and get it off the ground. And so suggestions do help. And I know already that having other people on my podcast would be a great start. But... Then I see some people do a podcast by themselves, and I'm not sure which route to go. I feel like my thoughts can flow smoother when I can just sit by myself in a room and just talk. But maybe not, and maybe that's not what matters. I don't know. Anyway, I'll see you all next time. Peace. Much love.